Oh, good morning. How are you all? I was all the way in the back. Sorry, I'm running up. I'm going to be out of breath because I'm in bad shape. So um, let's just get that out of the way. The heavy breathing is not creepy. It's just part of the fact that I don't exercise. I think about it all the time. How many of you think about exercising? And then how many of you actually do it? Yeah, I think about it all the time, every day. And um, I have equipment in the garage every day. Look at it. Think about dusting it. You know, it's it's amazing. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, it doesn't it doesn't help to own it. It doesn't help to have it if you don't use it. Right. So um, but how often is that the case with so many things in life? Right. I mean, it's, it's like that. So the other part of it, you know, this has nothing to do with the message, just a confession. You know, the crazy thing is, but but then I'm married to someone that's like it's six days a week. She's at the at the gym and uh, she's real serious about it. And the other day I walked up. I was downstairs, we have a two-story house, I'm downstairs, and I hear like this banging, like bang, I'm like, what's going on upstairs? And she's got my 10-year-old up there, and they're both exercising, and she was doing this thing, I don't know what it's called, but for people that might be in shape, they might know, she's lying, my my wife, she's lying on the ground, which already hurts when I think about it, right? So (laughs) she's lying on the ground, and she's got her arms up in the air, and her legs up in the air, and she's kicking, and I'm thinking... This is kind of like torture, you know, like, why are you doing this to yourself? Like, I would think if I if you kidnap me, that's what you would make me do to punish me. Not not for enjoyment. So anyway, there you have it. So a little bit more about my life. Um, and uh, so it's good to be here. I, I, you know, I was just here like three, four weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago. So uh, it's uh, it's quite I'm getting quite familiar with the drive. And uh, and it's uh, it's great to be here. Here's. Here's one thing I really, if you, um, if you stick around after, so I'm going to be over there and I've gotten to meet some of you, but I would love to meet more, you know, and, um, and so if you're spending some time, please, if it looks like I'm in a conversation, just interrupt the other person. They're your friend anyway, right? And just come say hello. And, uh, I would just love to spend some more time with you. So, oh, hi, it's, uh, it's been great. It's been great to come up, um, you guys have great food in Ojai. Uh, I mean, I ate, Bill cooked for us yesterday, which was, he's a really good cook, by the way, just to let you know. So get yourself invited over to his house. And, um, and so, but, uh, you know, it's such a great place. But mostly it's, uh, we're just enjoying coming up and visiting with all of you and, uh, and getting to know this community better and better. When I got here yesterday, I decided to sit at the Ojai Coffee Roasters and get a little bit of work done and both for today and also just for Monday. And um, and uh, I posted, I, I don't do much on social media, but I, I said, uh, hey, I'm at my home away from home. And I thought, oh, that's funny, you know, because it's starting to feel like that more and more every time I come up and visit with you guys, because it is, it's pretty frequent. So I'll be here in December, but we're not telling you what week, so you can't, so you can't ditch out and then, because, you know, because for some of you, you're like, oh, he's back again, oh, you know, so... Anyway, um, great. Well, today, you know, it's Thanksgiving's coming up, and, uh, you know, it's a funny deal. Uh, you know, so sometimes, especially as a guest, you think, oh, maybe I should talk about, like, being thankful. And I thought, oh, you know, that's an important message, and it's a good reminder for all of us, because we all need to be reminded to be thankful, right? I mean, it's just something that happens, and we can sort of get caught in the routine of things. And uh, as I was getting ready, there were just some verses that kept on popping off the page at me out of Philippians, and it, 
it really isn't about so much about about being thankful today, although that word is in the verses I'm going to read in a little bit. But um, but what it really became about is is um, you know thinking about each of our hearts. You know, God God God's created us to be people that sort of live from the heart. The word is visceral that we would have emotion that we would that we would know pain and we would also know joy and and we would know laughter and we would know tears and so thank god that he is a god who allows us to experience emotion that we're not just these robots but um i don't know if you're like me but sometimes my heart can get pretty calloused you know some of you that's not the case for you it's wonderful and i envy you but but for me i can get a really calloused heart and uh, i can really guard my heart on my own i can take control of guarding my heart like i want to protect my own heart and uh and I don't know if that's true for any of you, you know, where maybe you've been hurt or something's happened in your life. So you, you want to protect it, right? You want to you keep it from, from, from being damaged more than it's already been hurt, right? Uh, sometimes that's relational where we, we want to guard our heart from the, from the potential of having a relationship go bad or getting our feelings hurt again. And so, so we tend to guard our own heart, but it's not our job. And uh, it's God, God has already filled out that application. He had the best resume, and he is the one that's hired to do that job. And so today we're going to talk about that out of these verses where it's really this idea where it says heart set, mindset, reset. It's really about this fully experiencing the peace of God and the God of peace. Because in the verses we're going to read in a little bit, it's going to talk about how the peace of God Guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So it's not Michael Cuffey's responsibility to guard my own heart and my, mind, and my own mind. It's really God already, like I said, he filled out the resume. He was the most qualified candidate. He got hired for the position well before I existed, and he should, he, I should not be kicking him out of that role. And yet we're going to see in this story how that happens and how we have to reset it to get back there. The second part is really this idea of, in the verses, it talks about the peace of God, and at the very end it says, the God of peace. And if you're anything like me, when I would read those verses, I would read them as the same thing, the peace of God, peace of God. I, I would just, you know how like you read into it what you think is there? And it hit me quite a while ago, and I went, whoa, whoa, whoa. it's saying two different things. It's talking about the peace of God, and it's talking about the God of peace which are intricately related to one another, but there's two different functions. And again, God has filled out that uh, resume. He has applied for that job, and he is the one that has earned it and deserves it. And so rather than guiding our own lives, we, we, we need to reset our minds so that we allow the God of peace to guide our lives. So these are the struggles. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes prepping a message and, and over – I was just counting the other day. I think this is the fifth or sixth time I've preached since last November. Richie's taking a lot of time off. Okay, that's number one, so you guys need to talk to him about that. Secondly uh, – no, he's been here every time except for today. So, And by the way, he texted me this morning, told me he was praying for me. I was like, oh, thank you so much. I'm going to read passages out of the book The Secret to everyone, which has nothing to do with the Bible. He didn't reply, so he might be he might be busting through the doors from San Francisco any moment now uh, to stop me from what he thinks I might be doing. 
And uh, he seriously didn't reply. I don't know if I should be insulted or if I should just, you know. Anyway, um, the thing is, is that in these verses that we're going to read, we're going to listen to Paul. And when Paul wrote the book of Philippians, and most of you would know this, right? So Paul wrote the book from where? Where was he sitting when he wrote this letter to the Philippian church or the church of Philippians? He's sitting in jail. And what's the major theme of, of the book of Philippians? Joy. Ah, huh. I got a thing or two to learn because I was driving down the 101 and I couldn't find joy yesterday, right? You know, no one's got me. I'm not chained to my car, you know? So here he is. He's writing this letter to this church. And he's talking to them. And the tone of his voice is one of, be joyful. Allow, allow joy to be a part of, 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 of who you are because it's part of my nature and I want you to experience that. And also focus on being Christ-like. And, that, and that's his theme and his tone, Christ-likeness, and the tone is a tone of joy. And so when we get to chapter 4, he's talking about two women in the church who were most likely very instrumental in helping the church be established in this area, in, in this area, in Philippi. And so these are strong leaders in the church. These women are established in the church. They helped to set the church's foundation in Christ for what they were going to do. But they're having a problem. They're fighting with one another. And they're setting up two factions. And probably from the research that I've done is it was probably a personal conflict that turned into a church-wide conflict that was very much going to threaten the church's witness in the area. I think, man, isn't that what happens when the conflict comes up and we start to just struggle? And, and, and what happens? I, I may have a conflict with, with someone else. But then if I'm in that conflict long enough, I stop thinking about what got us into conflict, and I stop worrying about you, and I, I start focusing on myself and, and what, what's important for me and, and what's right for me. And now, so God's out of the picture in my conflict eventually. You're out of the picture even if I'm in conflict with you. And now I'm just thinking, what, what's, what's, what's in it for me? What, I'm feeling hurt. I feel this way. I feel it. Well, tell you something. Sometimes prepping a message is like playing in the playground. You know, sometimes when I'm getting ready and I'm getting ready to speak or preach, I'm thinking, it's like playing in the playground. The Bible is just awesome. I'm opening it up. God is, like, sort of revealing stuff to me. I'm excited about it. And then other times when you prep a message and you get ready to share, it's like being in a boxing ring. And you're just getting your face punched over and over again. And, man, was that the week that I had leading up to this. It's been crazy. I fought with my wife. I'm surprised she didn't throw me out of the house. Maybe she did throw me out of the house and I'm here. I don't know. But, you know, I'm fighting with my wife. I'm frustrated with my work. I can't, you know. And I'm sitting there trying to talk about conflict and joy this week. And I'm thinking, huh, isn't this kind of funny, you know? And so as I share that with you, I want you to understand, like, this, you know, for me a lot of times when it's been a boxing ring week, and here's the thing. 
I'm throwing punches and I'm flailing around the boxing ring and I'm not doing the very thing that I need to do, which I'm going to talk to you about today. So this message for today is, has a lot to do with me as I'm sharing it. So it's not an authoritative sort of message. It's a, oh my goodness, a week of pounding around the boxing rink. And if you saw my prayer, I didn't bring my journal up here with me, but I was just praying this morning. Like, God, I don't know what was going on this week, but I just thank you that you give me an opportunity and just help me figure out how to communicate clearly your truth, but do it with humility. And and that's a lot of what this week's been about. So, you know, we're going to we're going to do some some scripture reading. We're going to do some uh, looking and reflecting on what is the peace of God? Who is this God of peace? And then how do we follow that example? How do, how, do we get, how do we get back to that when everything coming at you all week doesn't feel like very peaceful? You know, so, so that's, that's, the, that's, let me, that's just a little bit of the background. And uh, I hope it's not too real for you. I mean, I hope that I'm not scaring you and thinking, oh, this guy's a nut. Why does Richie have him preach or the elders should rip him off the, the, the stage or whatever this is? Um, uh, right away, but uh, but I think it's it's best if we're contending for our faith together, right? Amen. Okay, so let's pray, and then I wanna I wanna I want us to look at the Philippians chapter four. God, thank you for um, giving us your peace and being a God of peace. But thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy, and how when you reveal your truth to us. Um, there's rest and there's um, goodness found in that. Thank you that even when we're having a terrible, no good, very bad day or week or month, your grace still extends itself to us and we're able to, um, because of the power you have provided in our lives, we can access it, God. And uh, pray that uh, we can leave here today being better at contending for our faith in moments like that. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So uh, Philippians chapter 4. Talk a little bit about the history of the book, about what's going on there. Um, and, uh, And here we have Paul speaking. And now, remember, the tone of the book is joy. The tone of Paul here is not rebuking, uh, angry at these two women. It's 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 a it's a plead. It's it's he's coming to them and saying, please, right? So it's not you, you know. It's not the the pointy crooked finger of that are that are coming at them. It's a pleading for them to remind them of some things. So let's look at chapter, we're going to look at chapter 4, verse 2. I'm going to read through verse 2 through 9, and then I'm going to break it down into about three or four sections. It says, uh, Paul's saying here, says, I, I plead with you, Odia, and I plead with you, Syntyche, to agree with each other in the Lord. Now, the major miracle is I was just able to pronounce those two names. Okay, so, so he's pleading with them to do what? To agree with each other in the Lord. Verse 3, yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, now he's pleading with the congregation, the leaders. He's saying, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel 
along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So he's saying, I plead with the two of you and the rest of you, the other people in the body, of I plead with you too to be on their side and help them get back to this right mind and right heartedness that they need in the Lord. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers, say brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so let's break it down. So circumstances. Um, if we can go ahead on the slides just a little bit. And you have notes. Okay, so here's the circumstance, right? We talked about it. The two women, Sintachi and, and, and Odia, were in conflict. Personal conflict. So what he's seeing there is with these two women who helped to establish the church, who contended in the faith, they are closed hearts and closed minds. They're closing off to one another, right? Um, if, if I want to have connection with you, I, I'm going to be looking at you. Uh, I'm going to be trying to you know, see you eye to eye and heart to heart if I, if I really want that connection. And, uh, and we do that all sorts of ways now. How many of you will use FaceTime to talk to a loved one because you just want a little bit more connection to see their face, to see their eyes? And there's something in it. While the phone can be great, there's something about coming face-to-face. And in the best relationships, it's, it's beyond face-to-face, and it's when you can get really heart-to-heart with one another and just know that you're connected. Do, do any of you have these friends in your life or these family members in your life where, where you'll say things like this? Uh, you'll be saying something, you'll be talking about any topic, and you'll go, well, you know me, right? And the person goes, yeah, I know you, right? Do you have someone in your life like, I have a buddy in New York like that, and I'll say something, and maybe I think it might be misunderstood by the vast majority of other people, but this guy and I, we have such a heart-to-heart connection that, that, we, that he continues to see my heart, even if maybe my words aren't matching up. And those are incredible friendships, and, and that's the kind of relationship God desires for us, that we see the heart of God, that our heart is open to him, and that as we're living this heart relationship, we're now doing it for one another, and we're being the church. We're being the community of Christ followers who are contending with one another uh, in their faith. But here, they're not doing that. Their hearts and their minds are starting to close. They're in opposition, right? It's causing division. They have factions. All of this is going on. And as I said earlier, and I'll repeat again because it's important, it was literally threatening the witness of the church. Now think about that for a second. Could you imagine if as a community of believers we lived in such a way that even when there is conflict, we still promote Christ-likeness. We still stay heart-to-heart. We still say, think about what the watching world thinks when we can continue to live that way, even in the midst of conflict. And, and, and so he's reminding them, he's pleading with them and saying, remember, get back, get your hearts reconnected, get your, each other reconnected, and get your minds reset. So what do we look at in the next verses here, right? In the next verses, we're talking about he, he gives us the way to do it. 
in, in verses 4, uh, if you can advance the slide, please, in, in verses 4 through 7, right? He's giving us the strategy to get our hearts reset. It's unbelievable. It's like a step-by-step training plan that he's given us to get our hearts reset. See, here's the thing. When my heart, when I'm trying to protect my own heart and guard, guard my own heart, prayer goes out the window. You know, I, 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 spending time with God starts slowly slipping away, and I, I, I don't hold on to it tightly. Because I'm trying to take care of my business that's going on inside of me. And I'm not turning it back over to the Lord. Which is really a lack of faith on my part. Because I'm saying, hey God, I know better in this situation than you do. And, and, when, and, and many of us will do that. And maybe it's not this blatant, hey, I know better God. But the outcome is the same. We are usually further away from him and further away from whoever it is that we're in conflict with sometimes we're in conflict with ourselves and we get further and further away from who god has called us to be and so it can happen in a lot of different ways so so look at what happens he he gives us the plan here and he says paul is saying to them here number one step one to get your heart reset to stop this bickering to stop this conflict to stop this potential division number one is rejoice in the lord always he repeats it Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, how many of you, when you're in conflict, want to start saying, praise Jesus. I love you, God. No, because that's the spiritual battle. If I can get into conflict, if, 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 I, can, if I can get sucked into conflict, and I can start thinking about me, and I can start thinking about guarding my own heart, then for me to raise my hand to God or drop to my knees or just get quiet before the Lord and say, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. But that's the antidote. That's the very thing we need to do. When I'm in conflict, I need to go to rejoicing. And I need to choose rejoicing as a first resort. How many of you would choose it as a last resort? Or have, right? Oh, my goodness. This week, it was my last resort. Driving here yesterday and going, man, I'm an idiot again. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, this can't please the heart of God again. And everything I was fighting for isn't important again. And if I would have just stopped and begun to rejoice, rejoice in the Lord. Now, you have to understand, folks, I'm trying to prep a message at the same time this thing is going on. I'm sitting there going, hypocrite, idiot, dummy, you know, and so that's coming at me too, right? And, and I'm causing my own pain because all I have to do is step back, reset my heart by step number one, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Number two, he says, let your gentleness, let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Okay, so step one, if I want to reset my heart. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Not sometimes, not when I feel like it, not when it makes me feel better and, you know, temporarily, not when it makes the other person look worse. Oh, see, I'm rejoicing and you're not, you know, <laughs> right? He's saying rejoice in the Lord always and let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. When our hearts are being protected by us, 
I don't know about you, but my heart's not gentle, and I'm not gentle. I'm usually harsh. I'm usually pushing people away, but I'm like grabbing them by the wrist, holding them near, and yelling at them, pushing them away, right? Not physically, but metaphorically, right? And so here goes this thing of, wait, he's telling us what to do. He's telling these two women what to do. He's telling the church what to do, meaning he's telling us today what to do. When conflict is rising, rejoice in the Lord always, always, and let your gentleness be evident to all. When you want to go for harshness, go for gentleness. When you want to go for accusing, go for coming alongside. When you want to look for difference, Go for similarity. When you want to go for disconnection and dissonance, go for connection and resonance. Right? And, and so that's step two. I mean, he's, give, he's laying it out plain as day in just a couple of verses. Next thing, right, he talks about, right, let me, let me just going to read it to you because I want to, it says, so we're in verse six. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Right? Hearts, we're guarding them. Minds are getting twisted up. Right? We're not rejoicing. We're not being gentle. We're probably not praying. And we're certainly not giving thanksgiving. Right? It's very hard to be thankful for the thing I want to make my enemy. And that sometimes can be a person. That sometimes can be a situation, right? It can be something going on in my life. And yet Paul is saying, wait a second. Let me flip this thing over. Number one, when your hearts and your minds are locked and you're in conflict, rejoice, be gentle, and don't be anxious. But... By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So he's not just saying to you, okay, when you're like riled up, what's the worst thing someone can say to you? Calm down. Oh my goodness. Tell me, if you turn to me when I'm all riled up and you say, calm down, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm not, who are you to tell me to calm? You know, you go into that whole craziness, right? Whether you're if you're more verbal like I am or, or maybe you're quiet, but you're like, that's the last thing you want to hear. And Paul's not saying, calm down. He's saying, don't be anxious, and here's how you deal with that anxiety. By prayer, with petition, in thanksgiving. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. I mean, think about this for a second. When he's writing these words, he's thinking of two specific women. And he's thinking about specific people in a specific church at a specific time. But even with all of that specificity and even that that whole thing being geared to one church in one place at one time, there is something that is completely transferable into our very lives. I mean, not that you guys are walking around here at the well and fighting with each other. I'm not talking about that. There's Richie didn't clue me in on any church conflict. I'm I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about that battle that rages within the spiritual battle that's happening all around us, and it would love to invade this what God is doing in our lives and in this community called the church. And so we have to understand how do I rightly respond 
when these things come up, when I'm watching it happen in someone else's life. Because that's what's happening. Two women are in conflict. Other people are watching it, and they're probably like, oh, hey, you know, what are they? Oh, you know, that's probably what they're thinking. And, oh, there they go again. And, 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 uh, and, and maybe someone who's newer in their faith may be going, whoa, if this is how they act, then why do I want to be around that? And so you think about it. I mean, it's just a beautiful picture of what everydayness as a follower of Christ looks like. I mean, that's the beautiful part of it. This could happen anywhere at any time to any people. And he's laying it out, and he's telling us, look, get your heart reset. But he's not doing it, and he's not accusing and saying, you terrible, you no good. You, He's saying, look, rejoice in the Lord. Be gentle. Choose gentleness. And, you know, don't be anxious, but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God guards our hearts and our minds. We don't have to fight the battle for our hearts and our minds. And we may have to get ourselves out of situations. We may need to avoid certain things that really capture our minds or capture our hearts, right? We need to be wise, but we don't have to be standing there like the guard at the gate saying, I know what's best for my heart. Because quite honestly, I don't, and you don't. We don't know what's best for our hearts. You know, God knows what's best for our hearts. And so this is the beautiful tension that's created in this. And how can I look at this story here and begin to think about, okay, how do I get to that stage of rejoicing? How do I get to that place of, of, of gentleness? You know, and, and, then, and then finally, you know, how do I you know, pray and, and, and just cry out to God in petition with thankfulness? And what are we thankful for? Well, we're thankful that God has it under control. He knows the answer. He knows your heart better than you do. He, 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 isn't, he isn't pointing the crooked finger at you and trying to look for a reason to get you out of the kingdom of God. You know, your name is written in the book of life. If you accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you can be secure in that. But he wants you and I to thrive in that relationship. He wants us to experience the fullness of his love, the fullness of his presence, the fullness of his word, the fullness of his grace and truth, balance. He wants us to experience that. You know, and, 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 he, and he longs for that, and he pleads for that. You know, can you and I live lives of thriving in our relationship with God now? Not just, oh, when I die, I'll be in glory and every... No, but right now, because that gives us the opportunity to then um, be a witness. Individually, yes. But I think more importantly, as a community of faith. You know, your individual relationship with God is important. It's important that, that you and I make a decision for who Jesus is in our lives. Is he going to be just a great moral teacher or is he going to be my Lord and Savior? And that's an important decision to make. But we emphasize that far too much. And what I mean by that is, yes, your personal salvation is important. My personal salvation is important. But what I do with this community and how I live out that salvation 
moves it from me being self-centered to living for the sake of others, to consider what is for the sake of others. How do I live for the sake of others in, my, in, in the way I'm praying? Am I truly praying for other people as fervently as I pray for my own stuff that's jumping up at me? You know, Do I want to see you thriving in your relationship? So much so that it, it brings joy to my life to see your thriving. That's how we live for the sake of others. Do I... Do I do? And then you extend that out. How do I live for the sake of others in this community? But then how do I live it out in the people that aren't in this community yet, aren't in a community of faith yet? But they may be my sister, my brother, my mother, my father, my neighbor, my coworker. And do I want to? How do I invite them into that community? So that they get to see this, this thing that God is doing, this ability to rejoice when you want to be in conflict, this, this opportunity to experience gentleness, to experience relationship, to experience prayers and petitions upon their part and, and thankfulness for who they are. And this is, the be- this is the bigger thing. This is what the church is supposed to be outside the walls, right? So big thing in our area a number of years ago, people started talking about the church without walls. How do you live as a church without walls? The funniest thing is every church that was talking about it built a building. So it's kind of a funny thing to me because you created walls just now, and now you're trying to figure out how to attract people in. And I think, you know, on any given Sunday, there's 135 of you here. And as you walk out, that's the church without walls. You know, that's how you live out your faith. That's how it doesn't matter if you're a truck driver or a teacher or anything, business owner, uh, retired, we have the opportunity to to live out our faith and build community around who Jesus is in our lives. So this is a wonderful thing. So we get to reset our hearts and get to right praying in this way. Now, if we fast forward a little bit and go to the next verses, so so we have to have a whatever it takes attitude, right? And, and so if we look at these verses, it, it, it struck me. It's saying. He's saying here, right, um, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. I mean, there's, to me, I was reading that, and I'm trying to think, what's the word? Like, when I'm reading those verses, what's coming across? And there's like a tenacity, so think about this. If I'm in conflict, I'm tenaciously against you if we're in conflict. My humanity raises up, and I want to win, right? I want people to see it my way, do it my way, while I'm guarding my heart. But we're saying rejoice in the Lord always, be gentle, prayer and petition, reset our heart. Now we can get tenacious about the important stuff. Rather than me being tenaciously against you, so I win my argument or my way of being how about if i get tenacious about this what if i live tenaciously in truth now i'm not talking about truth that accuses and condemns i'm talking about the truth of who god is the truth of who i am as his child the truth of his grace in my life the truth of my salvation and ultimately experiencing heaven the truth that i'm secure in that 
the truth that God will never leave me nor forsake me, the truth that God is long-suffering and he's understanding and he's compassionate towards me, if I live in that truth and I'm tenacious about living in that truth, when lies are coming at me about, oh, uh, he's this and she's that and this is that way and they're wrong, and I say, no, I'm tenaciously going to pursue the truth of who God is. So when I look at someone and I'm in conflict with them, I can say, I'm not seeing what I'm opposed to in them. I'm seeing that that person was created in the image of God just like I was created in the image of God. And I want to see what God sees in them. And I want to see what Jesus sees in them. And you know what? That's hard work, guys. That is hard work because everyone has an uncle that they don't feel that way about. Or a parent. Or a neighbor. That they don't feel that way about. But if we're going to be tenacious about anything, let's be tenacious in, in living in the truth of who Jesus is. Living in the truth of who you are in Christ. And living in the truth of forg- this forgiveness that's offered to everyone. I mean, think about it. We go to Jesus and the story there. I mean, he literally saved a guilty man that was hanging on the cross next to him in that moment. If that doesn't describe to us the degree to which we are supposed to go to, to show Christ's love and to live in that truth, then we really have to step back and and, and ask God to just sort of empty us in front of him, before him. But I'll be honest with you, I struggle with that sometimes. Even though I understand how important the truth of God is, even though I understand how true it is that I'm saved by grace and grace alone, man, can I dig my heels in. And I could be tenacious about digging my heels in rather than being tenaciously standing in the truth of who God is. Right? So it's saying whatever is true, whatever is true, check me out. I'm true, God's saying. It's written all throughout your Bible, and I want you to live whatever way possible in that truth. Then, whatever is noble, right? So let's think about this. What does it mean when he says noble? Let me me jump there for a second. Here's what it is. Things that are noble, the the word as it was described, is is really tenaciously focused on things that are worthy of respect, right? That we as believers are supposed to focus on uh, whatever is, is worthy of awe, whatever is worthy of adoration, right? So he's saying whatever is noble. Now, is God worthy of adoration? I mean, is he worthy of adoration? Is he worthy of ad- our adoration? When, when, now, I know you guys live here every day. So when you live someplace every day, it's sometimes we don't look up. But when you look around here, is there not much to be in awe of? And do we know who paints the sky? And do we know who, 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 who created those hills? Right? And, and, and that, to think that we forget to stand in awe of that. When you drive that 20 minutes down the road and that ocean is just right there in front of you, there is a God who created that and we stand in awe of that. And here's the amazing thing. Then you get down into the little things, a blade of grass, a bug, stuff that I don't, I don't want to touch the bug, you know, trust me. Um, when there's a bug in the house, I'm like, Corey, and I, she comes over and takes care of it. But um, another thing about me, I'm losing my man card here, man. You know, can, can we go on a bike ride or lift weights or drink 
eat meat, you know, so I, I need some help. So, so the thing is, is that there are, there's so much around us to stand in awe of, and God's, and God's fingerprints are all over it. And, and how do we do whatever it takes to re- remember that? You know, to look up. But here's, this, this, this valley is a great example of that. You know, because I'm still, I come up every couple of weeks and I'm like, whoa, that's so crazy. I'll look across the street and I'm like, what is that? It's just like a, whew, like a, you're, then it goes like a mountain, you know? And, 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 and back, uh, I think it was, uh, of early last or early this year, uh, there was one day I'm driving up to the church and there's snow up there. And I'm like, whoa, you know, I was in Colorado once. I don't know if I shared this story with, I mean, Estes Park, Colorado. If you've ever been there, it makes your mountains look like hills, right? I mean, it's, it's the Rocky Mountains and there's elk walking around elk like I didn't even know those were still around. So, you know, there's elk. They're walking right by your your cabin. There there's rivers. There's there's snow up there. And I was thinking, man. And I, I I'm getting out of the car with a buddy of mine. We're up there, and I said, uh, people just must just stand in awe every day living here. And I probably shared this story with you. And and I we go into a store to buy something. The guy, he, I think we need a chapstick or something. We go into the store to buy chapstick. It's early in the morning, and the guy behind the deli counter is the only cash register. And as I'm walking in, I'm talking to this guy, Matt, that I'm with, and I'm like, man, people, this must be like living on heaven on earth every day. And the guy behind the deli is upset. Oh, they put the this away wrong. And I just started laughing. Because in reality, we don't stand in awe. We get down here and we get busy and anxious and, and fearful and stressed out. And, 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 and what Paul's saying here is, whatever it takes, get your mind back on the awe and the wonder of God. Whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes, be pure. This is not an easy one for a lot of us. Because things that we're struggling with that aren't pure are usually things that we don't cast out loud to everyone. But he's saying, be pure. Pure thoughts, pure heart, pure mind, whatever it takes. Tenaciously pursue purity. Then I love this next one. He says, what? You know, whatever is lovely and i think us americans like you ever meet someone from england and they're like oh that's lovely and i think that's such an odd word you know but it's so cool like like because because there are things like have you ever just met a lovely person and you think oh that person's kind of lovely but that's a very strange word to use and i feel kind of weird you know but they're really a lovely person. And, and so whatever it takes to be lovely, and, uh, and, and, and the Greek word for lovely is to be pleasing. To be pleasing. Wow. Whatever it takes, right, be admirable. Right? Whatever it takes, be admirable. What is it to be admirable? Be kind and gracious. Be kind and gracious. How can I tenaciously pursue kindness? I, want, I mean, think about the juxtaposition there. I'm talking about tenaciously pursuing things like loveliness. Tenaciously pursuing things like, like goodness. Kindness. Imagine if you and I fought to be kind more than we fight to be right. 
oh my goodness, if I fought for kindness as much as I fight for me being right, I think I would have led a lot more people to the Lord. You know, just by introduction, like, oh yeah, you know, I'm not really kind, but God, I'm, I tenaciously fight to be kind because I want to glorify God. It's not about me being, oh, you're the kindest man I know, because that you'd be lying. You know, and I would be lying if I agreed to. I'm not. I am obviously not kind. Ask my children. Seriously, they'd be like, oh, kind. You know, there was one time I was on my kids about something, and they're like, Dad, you work from home. Mom goes out to work. She takes this out on her employees. You take this out on us. You know, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm not kind. Get to work. You know, and so imagine if I tenaciously fought for kindness because I'd have to. I'd have to. And then it goes on. He says, whatever is, 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 is admirable and whatever is praiseworthy, the, the highly regarded stuff, right, um, that's considered uh, uh, things that are considered that, – that you should consider as, as worthy of, 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 of courtesy and respect. Have you ever met someone that treated you with courtesy and respect? We're supposed to tenaciously pursue that kind of behavior. That when people are meeting us, we're treating them with kindness, respect. We're treating them admirably, lovingly, right? And so on and so forth. So we have this thing going on here, and and Paul is saying to us, God is speaking through Paul, and he's saying to us, let me use these two women as the example. And by the way, everyone pay attention. This is important here. We don't want to create division. We want to have unity, not disunity. We want to have harmony, not disharmony. And he's saying, so first get your heart set straight. And the way you're going to get your heart set straight is when you're feeling like, ugh, right? I want you to rejoice in me. Rejoice in the Lord. Paul doesn't say rejoice in me. He says rejoice in the Lord. He wants you to rejoice in the Lord, step one. He wants you to pursue gentleness over harshness, step two. And then he wants you by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present the request to God and The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. So he's saying, guess what? You want to guard your heart? You want to guard your mind? You're fired. And let me get back into that position, and my peace will guard your heart and mind. You don't have to worry about that. But what I do want you to do is rejoice in me, be gentle, and prayer petition with thanksgiving. That's how we get our heart reset, get our mind reset. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes to tenaciously pursue what is true about God, what is true about you as a child of God, what is noble, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable, what is focus on that. That'll get your mind reset. Your heart reset, your mind reset. And then finally in verse 9 it says this as we come in for a landing. It says, um, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me. So Paul is saying, look, I'm setting an example. I'm talking about joy while I'm in prison. You've seen my life. You've heard my story. Radically altered my life. Went from persecuting believers to, to being uh, someone who is presenting Christ all over the place to people. Starting churches. Talking to people about this love and this joy and this peace that's found in Christ. Right? So I want you to follow my example. So question, are there people in your life that demonstrate these sorts of behaviors? There are people that are people who rejoice, people who are gentle, people who pray on your behalf 
and are thankful for what God is doing. If those people are in your life, they're the, they're the Paul people and find them and get close to them. Even if you feel like in the beginning it's repulsive. Because what happens is if I'm in discord, if I'm watching your harmony, if I'm watching you in accord with God, if I'm really conflicted, I go, oh, I can't be around that person. They're too happy all the time. They're too joyful all the time. They're too faithful all the time. They're always singing worship songs all the time. What is wrong with them? You know? And, and, and what we have to do is move closer into those relationships. How do I get closer to that? How do I lean into those relationships? How do I look at their example and begin to follow their example? Rather than doing this, how many times you see someone that has the joy of the Lord and you go, well, of course they have the joy. Look at, look at where they live. They would have, I would have joy too if I had 10,000 square foot house, you know? And it's like, no, stop it. Like, you know, come on now, time out. That's just stuff that gets in there to distract, right? And so how do we lean into those relationships? How do we get closer to people that that's their heartbeat so that we begin to sort of get that same heartbeat? And challenge ourselves in that. And then finally, um, how do I release control and let God be, uh, let the peace of God guard my heart and my mind? And then, and then the very last thing he says here is he says, and the God of peace will be with you. So if the peace of God, God guards our heart, the God of peace guides you and I. He guides us. He wants to guide us. He's better at it than we are, but we have to be willing to follow the leader, and we have to be willing to become dynamic followers rather than these sort of gung-ho leaders and say, oh, I know what's best for me. Rather, we need to find that place where, yes, you can be very smart. You can, you're wonderfully gifted. You're beautifully created, and yet always in our life, there is someone to whom we are to follow, and that is God. And rather than, you know, we've got shelves and shelves of books talking about how to become a dynamic leader. And I think how radically different would it be if we, as Christ followers, determined, how do I become the most dynamic follower of Christ I can be? How can I live tenaciously for God's love and truth? How can I live that life? Because that's the thing that sets it up. You know, that's the thing that people go, whoa, what is that? What, wait, what are, who, look at their friends. Look at how these people are living in community with one another. You know, and it's this beautiful opportunity we have. So a couple of questions as we close out. Three questions. They're my classic three questions. I ask everyone all the time, everywhere I go. I want you to take a second. I want you to think about this. What is this most significant thing for you this morning? I want you to just think about this morning. Think about these passages. What is the most significant thing that you saw, heard, thought, or felt? Because God works on all those things. It's not just your mind, your heart, your feeling. What is the most significant thing from these verses today? Is it about the peace of God? Is it about the God of peace? Is it about being tenaciously, a whatever, going after whatever it is tenaciously in love, truth? Is it this idea that, I, wait, maybe I need to continue to be, become more gentle, rejoice more, more quickly, let rejoicing be my first resort, not my last resort, right? So what's the most significant thing you, you heard, thought, felt this morning?
Second question. Why do you suppose that seems so significant to you? What do you think the Spirit might be speaking to you, the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you about that this morning? Why does that feel significant? Why does that look significant? Why does that, what is it about that thing? And the third thing is this. What are you going to do about it? Because the last thing we need is another church full of people with more information about God going out with more knowledge, right? You want to take that knowledge, understand what God's doing, and then wisely act on that knowledge. We don't need, we don't, we got all the knowledge we need, you know? It's, it's the action. And in this case, with this verse, here's the action. The action is this. Let the peace of God guard your hearts and your minds and let the God of peace guide you. So the action is peace. That's, that's the crazy thing. So if you think about Thanksgiving right now, look, um, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they're rough for a lot of us. You know, they're rough for me. It's been rough for years. I do not know why. I always blame it on the weather because I don't like 85 degrees on Thanksgiving Day coming from the East Coast. I, it just makes me crazy. But I've been here like 24 years. Like, get over yourself, you know, is, the, is what I have to tell myself. But, but, but I think it's rough because um, at times they don't feel like very, you know, you want this peace. You want this, this sense of, 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 wait, we're talking about Jesus being born. We're talking about Thanksgiving. We're talking about all of this. And, and, and I think this idea of how do I pursue peace in this? How do, I, how do I seek after the peace of God and the God of peace and let him guide me through this holiday season? I think there's something there. I don't know what it is. Let me pray. Um, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Paul um, not ignoring the conflict these two uh, women in the church were having, but rather for documenting it, um, for giving them a strategy as a church community, and for then, thousands of years later, sharing it with us. God, we deal with a lot of the same emotions. We deal with a lot of the same stuff going on in these verses, and yet you are uh, available to us to guide us as the God of peace. And... uh, Your peace, God, the peace of God guards our hearts and our minds. And so I pray that we can be people who um, don't protect our hearts and keep them away from others and you, but that we we would lay our hearts, our minds before you, God, and trust you with what you desire to do in us and through us and through uh, our relationships with you and others. And uh, we pray these things in your name. Amen.